Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I was listening to a podcast make an interesting point over the weekend that, um, so Bojo had to step down in England in Great Britain over the weekend, so he's going to resign. And although he's not leaving right away like sometimes they do, and then somebody is an interim, he's going to stay on until they elect somebody else. And As a caretaker. See how that works out. But he, um, uh, they have a parliamentary system, which is different than what we have, and we act like in America now that we have a parliament parliamentary system, which we don't. In a parliamentary system... The, the, you, you, you vote for a party and then the, the guy that comes with the party is in charge, but it's all the policies and everything of the party. And we act like that's what's going on in the United States when it's not. We end up with somebody president and they, they might, they might have completely different policies than the party has and they don't get to do anything on their own anyway. So it's just, it's, it's odd that we look at the president that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of things around Biden and Trump and this article that I was reading a little bit from last week, the permanent unpopularity of the American president and that we might just be going through an era because we do view the presidency that way, as if the president can fix all of these problems on their own and assign them all of this responsibility that they'll never be more than like 40 percent popular, at least until we get over this. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, on the Trump side of things, I thought this was kind of an interesting conversation. Bill Maher talking with Ben Shapiro. 
is let I me think, ask you what you think is going to happen in 2024. You think Trump's going to run, right? I would I'd assume. be shocked if he doesn't. I would be shocked too. Is he going to get the nomination, or is maybe your boy here, DeSantis, going to fight him? I mean, the big problem for the Republicans is is going to be whether anybody runs against him because he's a giant wrecking ball. And, and if you run against Trump, you run the risk that he wrecks you so hard in the primary that you have no chance in the general. That is the that is the the big question. So what do you think will happen? I think that if he runs, it's going to clear the field. Right. So I, I could see that Trump could actually win that election easily, especially if, if the Democrats keep doing the stuff they are doing to piss people off, like in schools. When you have my kid coming home from school and saying, Mommy, am I a racist? You're five. Yep. You just learned the word. I thought that was really interesting um, and and true. I agree with, I think, everything there. Um, I don't know if Trump clears the field if he runs, if he decides to run or not, the way Ben Shapiro seems to think so or Bill Maher thinks so, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I think that point about uh, being a wrecking ball, I'm picturing it from Ron DeSantis' point of view because he's got a, a hell of a lot of momentum and a great case to make uh, to be the next president. And I'm picturing... Uh, how exactly that fight would play out. I mean, I, I'm sure DeSantis would make the point uh, loud and clear. Look, everything you loved about Trump, I'm ready to bring it without the negatives. And you would just have to see a few weeks into that argument if people were buying the argument or not. Trump fans. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know I know you quite know. a few people who, who, like me, loved a lot of the policies, thought the guy was just too flawed. Um, who would leap at that idea. You're not the core Trump supporter, though. The core Trump supporters are going to be vicious. I know. Yep. And dangerous to a Ron DeSantis. Like, he's the enemy. Uh, anyway, on the other side of the uh, the political spectrum, new poll just out, New York Times reporting just hours ago, most Democrats don't want Biden in 2024. When is the last time that a party didn't want their own president? you got to go back to LBJ. In, uh, in 68, I suppose. President Biden is facing an alarming level of doubt from inside his own party. 64% of Democratic voters saying they would prefer a new standard bearer in 2024. So two-thirds wow. two of Democrats want a different person. That's I busted my neck. That's unbelievable. <laughs> two-thirds of people in his own party want a different person, partially because of this. As voters nationwide have soured on his leadership, giving him a meager, this is from the New York Times Siena College poll out just hours ago, 33% job approval rating oh. in this poll. 33. We mentioned earlier in the, uh, in the average, he's at 36, 37, th- the, the lowest that any president has had since they started doing the average of the big polls, three and a half points lower than Trump's lowest average. So he's quite unpopular. 33% in this new New York Times poll. This idea is a bunch of malarkey. Hey, Michael, place clip number 70, would you? I think you'll uh, recognize the voice of the young, plucky young man who's talking to Mike Emanuel on Fox News. Do you expect President Biden to run for re-election in 24? And if not, will you run? Yes, I do expect him to run. I'll support him. That is edge, edge, they say, Pete, boot edge, edge. How that absurdity continuing to issue forth from the lips of the uh, Biden administration. Well, he's in Joe Biden's cabinet, right? He's handpicked serving at the pleasure of the president. So I suppose he should say that. But how long do top Democrats continue to say that if two thirds of their voters are telling pollsters they want someone else? Because you're doing yourself damage at some point. 
Yeah. When you stand up there and say, I'm backing Joe Biden and two thirds of the crowd in front of you saying, what? No, get a different, get a different person. I mean, you gotta, you, know, you gotta start saying, I think it's time for some fresh blood. I admire Joe Biden, Biden's service to his country, blah, 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 but. And he did such an able job moving on from the Trump era, blah, blah. Yeah, there are a lot of ways you could spin it. You know, it's funny. It strikes me. These are truly the spicy times. I was reading an analysis of the jobs numbers and, and the long and short of it. And we could dig into it a little more deeply later if you want, but is, uh, well, you got this indicator and that indicator and this indicator and they never all move in the same direction. Always, if these two are up, the other one's down, just always. But this time, all three are up, or vice versa, or whatever. Um, we're seeing, you know, every indication of recession. And yet, job numbers are way up. You know, more people being hired all the time. Um, and you've never had a president this deeply unpopular with his own party. And uh, nobody willing to call him out. Everybody's still saying, oh, I'm sure he's running. Because you don't want a lame duck who can't get anything done. He can't get anything done anyway. So this is another one of these, what do we do with these dynamics? This th- We've never had this equation right. before. So the conventional wisdom is, is pretty much useless. It is. It absolutely is. For Mr. Biden, says the New York Times, that bleak national outlook has pushed his job approval rating to a perilously low point. Of course, Republican opposition is predictably overwhelming, but more than two-thirds of independents now disapprove of his president's president's performance. So he's got two-thirds disapproval among independents. That's absolutely incredible. And two-thirds of his own party doesn't want him to run again. I said, you're kidding me. By the way, the uh, right track, wrong track in this New York Times poll, similar to the Gallup poll we'd had last week, 13% of American voters say the nation's on the right track. I'm not exactly sure how you look at things. I mean, whether you think we're too far left or too far right, I can't imagine how you look at the state of the country and think we're on the right track right now. Steady as she goes. Looking good. (laughs) (laughs) Looking good. Compared to what? Uh, maybe the person is like high when they're asked or drunk or something. Yeah, six six are good. Six are pretty good. <laughs> Study as she goes. So uh, you know what's uh, oh god. Uh, you know, just another moment on politics. Just things I've taken in over the last several days. The New York Times had a, a piece about some of the young Hispanic people. Uh, in particular, young Hispanic woman elected president in uh, the uh, border region of Texas. Uh, I'm sorry, elected to the House of Representatives, border region of Texas. And, and the headline, which granted the journalist didn't write, but the headline was uh, extremist Hispanics going over to GOP, trying to portray these plucky young people as extremists, which is, you know, old and stupid and tired and doesn't really mean anything. Um, but you do see astounding numbers of Hispanics either moving away from the Democrats and just sitting there in that independent middle or just moving right over to the Republican Party. Likewise, black people in increasing numbers. And and if you wonder why, there's this headline. It, it The headline ought to be Democratic Party attempting suicide. But the headline is actually House Democrats push trans bill of rights ahead of November election. More than 80 House Democrats have thrown their support behind a trans bill of rights resolution resolution calling for the adoption of sweeping federal anti-discrimination policies that include letting transgender youth and adults compete in sports. No matter what you think about that topic, you're just wrong if your political analysis isn't the same as Bill Maher's. 
That's not a way for the Democratic Party to win elections. Yeah. Focusing on that stuff. It's just Oh not. my goodness. No. And as always, we must point out we're we're drawing a bright line, as they say, between basic human dignity, jobs, your rights as an American, and the extremist lunatic point of view that somebody who is biologically male should, for instance, be able to compete against women in women's sports or inhabit a locker room with them or, or what have you. Um this Pramila Jayapal, the Washington Democrat who's the head of the DNC, I guess. Uh, she says, as we witness Republicans in an extremist Supreme Court roll back to fundal, fundamental rights of trans people across our country, and as state legislatures across the country target our trans community with hateful, bigoted, and transphobic attacks, we're standing up and saying, enough is enough. I'm t- they are absolutely driving Hispanic people out of the party as if they're using cattle prods. Right. Um, by the way, I'm glad I looked further into the numbers on this Um on this poll, so I mentioned only uh, two thirds of Democrats don't want Joe Biden to be their nominee in twenty four. There's a chunk in there that had no, who said don't know or declined to answer. So the percentage of Democratic voters who do want him renominated is twenty six. So you only have one out of four Forget Democrats it. want him to be the nominee. One out of four Democrats. Want Joe Biden to be the nominee? That is that is incredible. Well, I have to look it up. Well, what were the numbers for Johnson when he decided that he wouldn't run again? I don't know if they were that low. Yeah, I, I have no memory of that. But uh, I mean, if he were forty-five years old, sharp as a tack, uh, with numbers like that, no, you're done. Where's our clip, man? The short version with our opening clip. Where is that? We we haven't played it since the opening of the show. I mean, that's. Sharp as attack. Come on now. Remember, we opened the show with the... The opening yeah. clip. Anybody? Yeah. Somebody? Yeah. Anybody? Remember, yeah. it, was a, it was really yeah. a good one. Yeah. We know. Yeah. No. Be, no. Be, yeah. Clip of the day. Biggest. Play biggest. We can play it if we want. Let's play it now. <laughs> it's got to be around there somewhere. Here it is. What? You'd think it would no. be. Eh, maybe it's not. The percentage of women who registered to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electoral and or political or or maybe precise, not and or or political power. And the uh, White House immediately jumping to he didn't say repeat the line. He said, let me repeat the line. And well, no, he didn't. But, you know, you're doing your job. You got to you got to cover up for the fact that he's an ancient person and your own party recognized that, which gets back to the real question here is at what point do the, the higher ups in the party say, look. Only a quarter of Democrats want him to run again. Why am I standing up here on stage ignoring our own party? Come on now. Let's not be stupid about this. Yeah, aren't you, if you're a Pete Buttigieg, and again, the conventional wisdom says that you support the guy and say he's running, but aren't you, like, offending three-quarters of the yes. party? Yes, or, or saying, I don't care what you think? Yes, yes, you are. Yes, hmm. you are. I don't wonder how long that lasts. I think it lasts until the day after the election, then it's just... Everybody's on board with no, he's got to go. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I got my sexy pants on. The Armstrong and Getty Show. New York Post with typical kind of story they have. Sex in the suburbs. How to know if your neighbor is a swinger. Here's your opening paragraph. Swinging is reported to be on the rise, is it? With as many as <laughs> well, fifth- they just reported it, so it's reported. <laughs> With I as many that. as 15 million Americans habitually swimming, swapping partners to spice up their sex lives. Yes. How many? I'm sorry. 
Uh, 15 million, it says here. Wow. That's unbelievable. Literally, I don't believe it. Research has revealed swingers in the U.S. are mostly white, middle-aged, and middle-income. And while most keep their uh, behavior a secret, there are ways that people tip off others as to their lifestyle. Because mm. they have to get together. I would think in the internet age, you don't really need this. I don't, I don't know. But if you're wondering whether people on your street are freaks in the sheets, I'm, I'm not. Actually, I never think about it. Here are some innocuous objects to watch out for. Yeah. Flamingos symbolize swinging. Partner swappers place plastic replicas of the flamingos in their front yards to let no others know they're up for a good time. Nobody's exactly sure how this started, but became a thing many, many years ago, and there you go. So, Wow. I uh, Judy bought me a shirt that had flamingos on. It has flamingos on it. I wonder if she is trying to send me a signal. That she wants to do it with someone else? <laughs> is that the signal? I don't know. Apparently, there are hundreds of videos on TikToks linking plastic flamingos to swinging. Some were unaware of the connection and are horrified, including one woman who's left mortified after she put a fl- pink flamingo on her front yard, front yard, and got a gift, got it as a gift for her sister, not knowing what it meant. Also, garden gnomes apparently have become another domestic decoration that secretly signifies swinging. I think it secretly signifies you're a grandma <laughs> and probably not a swinger, but. I don't know. Those weird little fellas, they stand about crotch high. It's very, uh, very provocative. One San Diego real estate agent recently wrote online that there's a huge swinger community in one part of the city, and they people are often on the lookout for lawn ornaments, particularly garden gnomes. Hmm. It says here, hot tubs. I don't, I don't know. How would you know if somebody's got a hot tub anyway? Um, there's one more I wanted to hit. Oh, pompous, pampas grass, which I wouldn't recognize if I saw it, I don't think. Planted in your yard is a telltale sign that you've got a neighbor with a busy bedroom. In fact, it became so popular in the South that the sales of the plant plummeted by 50% in the last five years as horrified gardeners realized they were sending the wrong message with their horticulture. (laughs) Don't you think guys like us would have heard a hint of this in real life if it were so? I mean, I don't know. I could possibly believe that pre-internet these things had to happen, but after the internet, I assume there are Reddit threads or their own apps or whatever for for you people, you weirdos, to uh, to get together whenever you want to, and you don't need to put up plastic flamingos in your pampas grass to uh, to to and hope that somebody wanders by and sees it. God dang it! And then it would have to be somebody that you're interested in, you or your spouse. Having sex with, which is another smaller subgroup, it seems just sure. a very slow way to meet people. So I, uh, I like your flamingo there in the front yard. Yeah, me too. Oh, good. I think it's cool. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very pink. Mm-hmm. Yes, as flamingos tend to be. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, a buddy of mine who's in the golf business who will remain nameless, uh, he was uh, traveling a couple of weeks ago and he came back from. Uh, have you ever seen those ads for the villages in Florida? Gigantic, like retirement golf, tennis, swimming thing. He told me if you like go to dinner uh, at one of the dining areas with your collar up as a dude. That's a sign that you've taken Viagra and you're good to go. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Armstrong and Getty. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. So this is this is notable for a couple of different reasons. Uh, number one, this article, shocking me, uh, appeared in NPR, on NPR's website, talking about the giant study of low-income children in Tennessee in pre-K. And and they center this article around this uh, this woman, Dale Farron, who's studied early childhood education for half a century, yet her most recent scientific publication has made her question everything she thought she knew. And that is the, the Tennessee study. 
which was as close to a real-world randomized controlled trial for pre-K as you could have. It was almost 3,000 low-income children in Tennessee who applied. Uh, they were admitted by lottery, etc. Um, we will sh- offer pre-K to every child in California. Everybody cheers. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, whoever. And pre-K will finally come to the United States. And everybody cheers. This has been going on for years, people cheering pre-K without anybody having any idea what it is or what it does. And there is no information out there to lead you to believe it's a good thing. Nope, not really. You know, the theme, we could get to the punchline before the rest of the joke, is that it's long been part of progressivism, Marxism too, um, but just just general progressivism, that the government mo- ought to be more involved in raising your children. Uh, taxpayers ought to be taxed higher, and those tax dollars should be spent raising your children for you, which is not a concept I'm a big fan of, um, especially because the government does a crappy, crappy job of it. See most people's local uh, public schools. Anyway, uh, this uh, Farron woman and her co-authors at Vanderbilt University followed both groups of children all the way through sixth grade. At the end of the first year, the kids who went to pre-K scored higher on school readiness, as expected. But after third grade, they were doing worse than the the control group. And at the end of sixth grade, they were doing even worse than that. Lower test scores, more likely to be in special ed, more likely to get into disciplinary trouble in school, including serious trouble like suspensions. Um, We've come within a couple of votes here and there of having pre-K all across this country without the American people understanding not only does it not do any good and cost gazillions of dollars, it actually does harm. That's right. Now, I know what you're thinking, some of you, because I was thinking it, too. My kids went to preschool and they loved it. It was a great experience for them. I'll get to that difference in a minute, and it's significant. But so uh, after third grade, well, uh, negative effects in one of the three state achievement tests, but in sixth grade they saw it in all three, math, science, and reading. Worse results, clearly worse results. So that's right, a statewide public pre-K program taught by licensed teachers housed in public schools had a measurably, statistically significant negative effect on children in the study. She was shocked by this, but is being honest about it. So... And obviously for progressives, this is a terrible time for this news to come out, which is one of the reasons you haven't heard it much, because we're so close to like instituting this all around the country. They mention a similar thing in Boston that went differently. I'm looking at the clock figuring out how much time we have for this. Um, uh, that had different results. Um, but I'll go ahead and bottom line it for you. One of the biases that I hadn't examined in myself, says this doctor, is the idea that poor children need a different sort of preparation from children of higher income families. She's talking about drilling kids on basic skills, worksheets for tracing letters and numbers, a teacher giving 10-minute lectures to a whole class of 25 kids who are expected to sit on their hands and listen, only five of whom may be paying any attention whatsoever. And she explains higher income families are not choosing this kind of preparation. Why would we assume that we need to train children of lower income families earlier in this stuff? That's a pretty decent point right there. She points out that families of means tend to choose play-based preschool programs with art, movement, music, and nature. It's exactly what we did. Yeah, it's church-based, and it was wonderful. Children are asked open-ended questions, and they are listened to. Here's your government pre-K, which is perhaps soon to be the law of the land. Uh, In classrooms full of kids in poverty or kids who just go to the government preschools, teachers talk a lot, but they seldom listen to the children. 
And she thinks part of the problem is that many teachers in many states are certified for teaching all sorts of kids, very little time spent on on the youngest kids. And another bias she's challenging is the idea that teacher certification equals quality. There have been three very large studies, the latest one in 2018, which are not showing any relationship between quality and licensure. How do you like that? We came within a Joe Manchin vote and maybe one or two others of this being the law of the land and us paying for it and damaging our children. Right. Came really close to this. Do you remember the big giant $3 oh, yeah. trillion dollar build back better thing? But wait, there's more. In 2016, Farron published a study based on her observations of publicly funded Tennessee pre-K classrooms, similar to the ones we were talking about before. She found the largest chunk of the day was spent in transition time. That means simply moving the kids around the building. Wow. Partly it's an architectural problem. Uh, uh, Private preschools, home-based daycare, they tend to be laid out with little kids in mind. Their bathrooms right off the classrooms. Kids eat in or near the classroom. There's outdoor play space right there with equipment for short people. And then you put them in government schools and you have to line them up and make them be silent. And they walk down the hall and they use the bathroom. Then they walk down to the cafeteria and then they walk and don't touch your neighbor. Don't touch the wall. Put a bubble in your mouth because you have to be quiet. I've never heard that expression, hmm. but I guess that's a little kid thing. Um, and so one of Farron's most intriguing conjectures, this said, is that the need for control could explain the extra discipline problems seen later on in the kids' school careers. Quote, I think children are not learning internal control. And if anything, they're learning sort of an almost allergic reaction to the amount of external control that they're having, that they're having to experience in school. In other words, regularly reprimanding kids for doing normal kid stuff at four years old, even suspending them, backfire down the road as children experience school as a place of unreasonable expectations. I would add in as an activist. That makes my heart hurt. And I would add in also, and this is right up through high school, boys pathologized for acting like little boys. They're told that there's something it. wrong if you can't sit still like the little girls are sitting still. Taking a four-year-old and teaching them to hate school and taxpayers funding it at a cost of billions and billions of dollars. Thank God it didn't happen. It's still talked about. They're still talking. Gavin Newsom has been promising it for California forever. Pre-K. Right. Get in a head start, a head start on being miserable. How, what, what, uh, well, it's what you said about it. It's, it's the weird left's view at the, the, the more time the government has your kids and the less time the parents have the kids, the better for society. Well, and a lot of this is focused on uh, people of color, young kids of color having worse educational outcomes, not going to college as much, etc. And so this is designed as a magic bullet to cure that, the, the government pre-K thing. Um, and, and they point out, and I'll summarize now, uh, what the biggest lesson Farron has drawn from research is that we've simply asked too much of pre-K. Uh, whoever thought we could provide a four-year-old from an impoverished family with five and a half hours a day, nine months a year of preschool, and close the achievement gap? and send them to college at a higher rate? I mean, why? Why do we put so much pressure on our pre-K programs? We might actually get better results, she says, from simply letting little children play. Oh, my God. I was trying to... I got a new uh, Nintendo Switch that I bought for myself. That's what my son wanted for his spring break. Talked about all these different things we could do. He said, I, would, I want you to get a Nintendo Switch so you can play video games with me. Mm. So I bought one, and I'm trying to figure out how to play the game. 
Uh, but anyway, just setting it up with, you know, passwords and this and that and won't link and that email address is already being used. How is that even possible? You know, that 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 sort of crap just makes me insane. I'm I just oh, nothing makes my brain hurt like that. Nothing makes my brain hurt like that. But anyway, finally got everything done, and then the Nintendo people on the helpline were really, really pleasant. You know, they've got a financial interest in making sure we get signed up, but um, uh, they were really, really good. All customer service should be that good. But anyway, so I finally get on the game. We're playing, trying to play Fortnite. <laughs> Henry kept saying, Dad, you are terrible at this. You are really, <laughs> really terrible at this. All you did there was stand there and just swing your axe over and over and over. You need to practice with the buttons. So he wants me to practice with the buttons before we reconvene. My experience, exactly. I tried to play, I think it was like Grand Theft Auto or something with Declan when he was a teenager. And uh, I just kept jumping up and down. <laughs> He's like, no, Dad, not the X, the Y. you, you got to use the Y, Control Y to go forward. I'm like, what, there are two buttons at once? And so I would just jump up and down. <laughs> I like just, I'm some idiot at a Devo concert in 1988. Stood, I just stood there swinging this axe, and Henry said, "That guy's shooting at you. That guy's gonna. That guy's gonna kill you. You can't just stand there and swing an axe. The guy's gonna kill you." Okay, you're dead. You are terrible at this, Dad. But he really enjoyed me playing with him. I hope I can get like competent enough because it's like their favorite thing in the world. I have zero interest in it. But they like it, so you know that gives me interest in it. But I just I don't also don't have any skills for those sorts of things. <laughs> you oh know, it God. pains me mightily to say this, but in many ways it's the modern baseball. Glove. I know, I know, I know, and I just gotta accept that. I would I would go outside and play catch with you till my arm fell off. Right. But they don't want to do that. They want to do yeah. this. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you tired of gulping down the lying filth of the mainstream media? Yeah, we are, too. We try to tell you the truth every single day. Gulping down lying filth. Wow. Nobody wants to sound dumb. Our goal is to help you not sound dumb. We'll inform you, and it'll be fun at the same time. You have to choose between entertainment and information. Combine them both with the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Four episodes available every day via the iHeartRadio app or wherever you download your podcasts. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I forewarned you. Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I came across this on Tim Sandifer's Twitter feed. He said the National Geographic documentary series that's out on Disney Plus right now called America the Beautiful has some of the most amazing footage ever seen in a nature film. So if you're into that sort of thing, look for the new National Geographic America the Beautiful. It's on Disney Plus. Wow, cool. But, he says, be forewarned, though, lots of animals being eaten by predators, so not good for the youngest kids. I don't know. It's time they learn. What age is what age is best for kids watching uh, animals being eaten by their beasts? You think? I think you my know, kids are are fully into that. I have ten and twelve. I was pretty small when I used to watch, you know, some nature specials on TV. I can't remember how graphic they were. It, well, it, I don't know if it's the graphic. Maybe it is. It's the way they present the story. You know, it's because usually they present it in such a um, uh, what is that? You know, victim oppressor narrative. Yeah. That, you know, you've got the poor, hungry mama bear's got no choice but to try to eat this littler beast to feed its cubs. So you feel good about it. As opposed to if this, for, or from the perspective of the little beast wanting to feed its little beasts, but, you know, is out hunting and gets eaten by a bear. It's the yeah. same occurrence, but it's presented in a completely different way. Yeah, do you remember Jerry Seinfeld's bit on that? No. It's super funny. If, if it's a, if it's a special about lions, you're going, go, go, catch the animal. Right, yeah. But if it's a special about antelopes, you're going, run, run, get away from the line. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, so I, I signed up the other day for some county thing to get a COVID test to figure out if I get to get the real PCR test. And I'm filling out the name and all that sort of stuff. And then it comes down to um, how do you describe yourself? And the choices are. Surly and disagreeable. <laughs> um, middle-aged, balding, resting, murdery face. That's how I describe myself. Um, the choices were, how for, How do you describe yourself? This is, this is on a form just to get a COVID test. Male, female, 
female to male, FTM slash transgender, male slash trans man, which was different than female to male. What? Then the other side of it, male to female, which is its own category to choose from. Or you could choose MTF, which is also male to female, but it's just an acronym. Slash transgender female trans woman. So those are different things to check. Why would you why you would choose MTF as opposed to male to female? I don't you know. You are mentally ill, you people, including you people who designed the form. You have mental problems. Again, I counted them. There are 13 choices here. Gender queer, neither exclusively male nor female. Additional gender category or other. Don't know. Or choose not to disclose. Wow. Don't know is a choice on gender now. How did how did this happen so fast? You know, whether you agree with it or not, you sure you sure, still we could all bond, I think, on how did this happen so quick? I mean, this was non existent. What, three years ago? Four years ago? Wasn't very long ago. Non existent. Nobody it ever was... even thought of it. Right, it was only it only existed in radical professors' college classes, but now it's gone mainstream. Hey, but by the way, sex is your male or female, unless you're one of those very very rare intersex people who are born with both, uh, you know, organs, depending, you know, ovaries and testicles, whatever. <clears throat> but that's exceedingly rare. But your sex is male or female. The whole gender thing. All right, you want to go on and on about that? That's fine. Um, but the, the radical gender theory people are trying to eliminate the very concept of your biological sex. They're pretending it doesn't matter or that it doesn't exist, which is a bizarre notion since every single species of primates on earth has a male and a female. But anyway, uh, we don't really have time to get into, uh, what I was hoping to, but, um, there was some really good and powerful testimony the other day from a California teen girl who once identified as transgender. She was talking in Florida. She spoke out in favor of a Florida rule blocking Medicaid funds from paying for medical interventions for gender dysphoria for children. She's now 17. She said, I really didn't understand all of the ramifications of the medical decisions that I was making. She was medically transitioned from ages 13 to 16. So as a confused adolescent, she said, I feel more like a boy. And so I'm guessing her activist parents and activist doctors and activist activists swept her up into the the, the conveyor belt of gender transition. She started taking so-called puberty-blocking drugs and testosterone, underwent surgery to remove her breasts at age 15. I was unknowingly physically cutting off my true self from my body irreversibly and painfully. Then she goes into all the medical challenges and problems involved. Uh, the realization was one of the biggest things that led me, uh, I, this is not the path I should have taken. When asked what she would say to the public, she said, do not transition your kids. If you're considering transitioning, please wait until you are a fully developed adult. Transitioning can damage your body and, and mind in ways that we may not fully understand. And then the Surgeon General of Florida pointed out that medicalization of minors with gender dysphoria might advance the political views of physicians involved in their care, but the data showing any benefit for the actual children is extraordinarily thin. The affirmation model, that's what they call it, gender affirmation treatment and surgeries, the affirmation model runs an unacceptably high risk of harm 
again, compared to the extremely thin data that it helps anybody. It's it permanently alter children who have a, a, a momentary, a temporary psychological phenomenon where they feel like the opposite sex for a while is cruelty and it should stop. Hey, That's the that. end of this tranche of hearings. What's that word? Tranche. That basically oh. means a chunk? A, r- a run, a chunk, a section. Yes. Okay. But there are more to come. More I'm, tranches. How else can I use tranche if I want to start using it? Uh, really, any way you want, because I don't think many people <laughs> call you on it. But um, most, like, most people aren't going to say, I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm trying to think it day-to-day, you know, around the radio ranch, how we might be able to use it. Uh, yeah, okay, in the morning. The latest tranche of newspapers, very informative. Thanks for bringing them in, Alex. Really? I could use it that way. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure that's right. <laughs> Close enough. What is some sweaty Frenchman going to tell me I was wrong? Jack, a tranche is a portion of something, especially money. They released the first tranche of the loan. A portion of anything, especially money. Yeah. So I could say I'm at, uh, like, I uh, if I'm at dinner or something like that, I could say, could I have a tranche of those potatoes? Oh, you could. You shouldn't. But I'd, you could. I'd like a particularly awkward use of it. That's what I'm looking for. Jack, it dates from the late 15th century. The old French literally slice. Oh, okay. There you go. I'd like a tranche, have a tranche of pizza. I'd like yeah. a tranche of that pie right there. Yeah. Oh, I'm using that today. What am I, a child? Give me a bigger tranche. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that tranche for? It can't be for me. (laughs) Look at me. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.